let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious God, you gave your Son into the hands of, of, of sinful men who killed him. Forgive us when we reject um, your unfailing love and grant us the fullness of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All righty. So we are in Habakkuk chapter 1. Um, we got some folks joining us fresh today, so they, they didn't have a chance to go through the, the, the questions there. Um, but before we get into that, do y'all have any questions about what we talked about last week with Habakkuk and the context and the, the people involved in this book and people spoken about and things like that? Nay. Nay? Okay. We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I was, what did you say earlier? I, I was passing by and I heard you say something about the Chaldeans. Oh, I was reading it and when I read the Chaldeans, God used the Chaldeans to take, you know, destroy the, do the temple and that kind of stuff. I said, what about them? So I started researching the Chaldeans. And there's 500,000 of them that live here in the States. Wow. Yeah, and they live in Arizona, California, and Illinois. Yeah, they're all evil people. All trouble area. <laughs> <laughs> and I was asking, Pastor, are they still at work? I mean, yeah, because God raised them up to take down the Jews, mm -hmm. and now they're Christian. So I asked them, when did they become Christians? And that was around the Reformation, 1500, I think, oh, really? is when they... Uh, but they went with the East and not with right. Rome. Yeah, that makes sense. And they're all yeah. from Iraq. Yeah. So another trouble area. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's where Babylon is. You know, or at least the the ruins of Babylon. I think it is now an, another city, but it's not called Babylon anymore. I can't remember where that is. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they're still if they're still being used by God for judgment or not. Not in the way that Habakkuk is talking about. Let's just say that. Um, because if they are a Christian, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Oh, God uses all of it. Yeah, he does. And, uh, not like but, in the Old Testament, though. Well, I mean, he does, I think, still... And we'll, we, we can talk more about that. I think he does still use um, evil for the sake of bringing, you know repentance to people i think that he does like like with job he allows these things to take place or he even brings them about himself actively also because we can't just say oh god only he only allows things to happen as if he's very passive in all this god is active in bringing upon judgment in a temporal sense um it may not always be when we want it but it it, it happens um it, it, it might it might happen after our lifetimes, you know. It's like with uh, Solomon and and um, 
and his sons and all the kings of Israel. And they're saying, you know, well, destruction will come, but after you're gone, you know, and that's judgment on Solomon, right? Because he chased after other gods uh, on some level, right? And that's, that's judgment on uh, all the other gods of Israel that came and did not do what was right in God's sight or whatever. But it always happened kind of further down the line in a generational sense, right? Which makes me think of what God said in Exodus uh, 20, right? Where he says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the, the sins of the, punishing the children for the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation, but showing love and, but showing steadfast love and mercy to the thousandth generation of those who, who, who love me and keep my commandments, right? So there is a generational sense here, right? And uh, Habakkuk is calling out, I guess, the, um, the generational decay that has been going on probably for some time now. And God's judgment is on the threshold. It happens like a couple, like we said last time, a couple decades after he writes this book, right, that that uh, Jerusalem is destroyed and uh, uh, the Babylonians really, really wreak havoc on the southern kingdom of Judah, right? Um, but we'll look at this. So let's 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 look at what Habakkuk is talking about. Um, so let's actually read chapter one. Uh, who wants to read for us? And again, we can split it up if someone wants to read to like verse 11 or whatever, then you can stop and we'll have somebody else pick up. So who wants to start up with Habakkuk 1, verse 1? Take his telephone to start. Yeah, somebody wants to call in. Yeah, somebody wants to call in and read. The prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked come in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole world to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. 
guilty people whose own strength is their God. Who wants to pick up at verse 12? I'll do it. Okay. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors? And remain silent when the wicked swallows up. You make mankind oh, the man more righteous than he. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly, mercilessly killing nations forever? Okay. So technically his complaint goes on to chapter 2, verse 1, but we'll stop there, um, and we'll talk about that, I believe, next time. Um, so, uh, with this way we have this Bible study laid out, it's pretty simple and straightforward. And, you know, this will be a very short uh, study compared to what we did with Romans, where we went for like two hours at a time because, well, Romans is dense. And this is, this is not without its density, but it is, it is, you know, much more brief and to the point. So, we have these three different sections of this uh, study, uh, look, discuss, and apply. So for the look portion, uh, this book was written several decades before Judah and Jerusalem were destroyed by the Babylonians. In this book, Habakkuk twice complains to the Lord, and the Lord answers him. Uh, verse 1, the oracle. Uh, this is a divine revelation frequently received in visions, it most often refers to warnings of impending danger or doom. So in case you're wondering what that meant. Uh, if you have the study Bible, though, you kind of um, get that get that as well. So discuss. So what was bothering Habakkuk in verses 1 through 3? Same thing that bothers us today. Exactly. <laughs> Elaborate a little bit for us. I mean, the justice system is all messed up. Mm -hmm. People are worshiping idols. Uh, they're not turning to God. Mm -hmm. We constantly pray to God for deliverance, and He kind of acts like He's not hearing us, but He is. He is hearing us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But so the complaint is that things are just not not going as they should. Right? Uh, the system's the broken. Huh? Look at all the murders and everything else that's going on, and the mm -hmm. total. Total disrespect for life, period. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you see here that um, I, it's, uh, what does he say? He says, why do you, he says, O oh, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Uh, so sometimes it feels like God is not hearing us because he doesn't answer us in the way that we would like for him to do. 
Um, so it seems that the Lord is deaf to the complaint, or powerless, or both, right? That's the temptation we have. Um, and like I keep saying, it's okay to ask God these questions. Like, Lord, don't you hear what I'm saying to you? Because it doesn't look like you are. It doesn't look like you hear anything I'm saying to you, right? And that's okay to pray that way. It happens all the time with the prophets and the Psalms, and God never strikes them dead because they, because they sin, right? God needs to hear our complaints. He wants to, right? Uh, and so when we come to him with, him with complaints, even those saying, how much longer do I have to keep complaining about this? It's okay, right? Um, because he wants us to seek righteousness. Right? He wants us to seek him when things are not going well. And, and just for some, uh, uh, just, just for some context here further. So Habakkuk is living during the reign of uh, Jehoiakim. And if you want some background on him a little bit, you can go to like 2 Kings chapter 23 verses 36 through 37, just to get a background of him. So basically it's saying, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebida, the daughter of Padiah of Rumah, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Right? Again, a generational problem. Yeah? Uh, uh, that that God punishes the children for the sins of the fathers, right? That's why, that's why it's so important with Proverbs and things like that for men, especially to say, hey, we need to raise up our children in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it, right? Um, because a lot of what Solomon says in Proverbs is, my son, my son, listen to what I'm telling you, right? So you see that, and then you see later on in 2 Kings 24, uh, in his days, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him, and the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldeans and bands of the Syrians and bands of the, the Moabites and bands of the Ammonites and sent them against Judah to destroy it. According to the word of the Lord, he spoke by his servants and prophets. Right, surely this came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he had done and also for the innocent blood that he had shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and the Lord would not pardon. Now the rest of the deeds of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So you can go to Chronicles and see more about Jehoiakim and all the injustices that were going on. I mean, But it's, it's very interesting because... There were injustices being done. So where is that? Um, why don't only actually take 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 a look at some of these things? Uh, so that's verse five, Chronicles three thirty five and thirty seven. Huh. Okay. Um, trying to find a, a reference here. Second Chronicles 36, I think, is where it is. So, Second Chronicles 36. Uh, 
Yeah, Judah's decline. Um, so yeah, I mean, so you see that there there are just there's 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 more there about uh, what happened with Judah being carried away into Babylon and things like that, right? Um, but uh, so. Yeah, so basically what I'm what I'm getting at, and, and this is why it's probably important to look at the history of of the two kingdoms and the people of Israel and things like that to see what all transpired, because there are parallels today. Um, one of the parallels I was looking for, but I couldn't find just right this minute, was that there are parallels there where, you know, not only do the kings of the northern kingdom and eventually the southern kingdom uh, worship the false gods, you know, Baal and uh, Asherah. They worship on the high places and things like that. That's that's known as pagan. Uh, those those are known as pagan um, uh, sites of sacrifice and things like that, right? One of the things I can't remember which king it was, and if can and, and if anybody can remember this, let me know because I can't remember. Um, one of the kings, I think it was Manasseh, like what what they were saying. That what he did was evil in the sight of he, what he did was evil because what he did was he sacrificed his firstborn to um, to 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 man to to excuse me Moloch right because. Uh, Baal and uh, was it Asherah and Ash Ashtaroth and um, Dagon and all these other like false gods, right? They required similar sacrifices like, you know, sheep and cattle and goats and things like that. Moloch, typically, they would sacrifice their children to, right? And it's awful what they did. Um, uh, like they would, they would, th it says in the Bible, they would pass them through the fire. So they would burn their children to death. I mean, it's just awful, awful stuff. And when you think about, well, what does that have to do with us today? Yeah. Right? <laughs> what does it have to do with us today? Why would you sacrifice your child to a, to, to a God? What's the point? What were they trying to do at that with sacrificing their children? Please God. They were trying to, yeah, bring some sort of favor, right? Mm -hmm. Not um, to our God, but to their God. Yeah, right, yeah. to their false right. God, right? Yeah. And so it helps to see, well, what did, what do we really think about idol worship? And like what Luther says in his large catechism, he says, whatever you put your full faith and trust in is your God, right? Um, and what makes the difference is whether or not that's the true God, right? So if you're putting your full faith and trust in your own strength, in your own uh, reason, in your own wealth, in, you know, the strength of other people or, you know, the strength of our country or, you know, it's a lot of stuff that can be a false god, right? Um, you put your full faith and trust in a politician, whatever, right? Uh, that is an idol, right? And there are, and it, it sounds a little con, convoluted, but I think Satan has gotten very wise in recent years um, in that 
there there are still child sacrifices taking place today, right? Not as readily now that Roe v. Wade has been stricken down, but in a lot of places, you know, it's still it's still a big problem where you don't when you think of abortion as child sacrifice, you see it in a different light, and you say, well, yeah, because they they are sacrificing their children for me. Yeah. Whatever that might, whatever you want, right? Uh, wealth, fame, fortune, um, a relationship, convenience. whatever. Convenience, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that's some of the parallels going on here. Again, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but child sacrifice is still taking place. Because um, it's like, what was it? There was, there was this one actress... I think it was like Michelle Williams, Lord have mercy. She got up, uh, she won like a Golden Globe or something like that. And she gets up. Do y'all remember when this happened a couple of years ago? A lot's happened since then, right? COVID and all this stuff. But she got up, I think it was like sometime in like 2017, 18, 19, can't remember. But she gets up and she's holding a Golden Globe. I mean, it's not even an Oscar. Let's just put it that way. It's, it's kind of funny. It's a Golden Globe. And it was for her acting. And she said, um, I would not have been able to reach this achievement if I had not been able to choose for myself what to do with my own body. Basically saying that she got an abortion, right? Uh, And that I can have a family that I choose to have, basically. And so you just go, oh my goodness. So basically that little golden globe you're holding in your hand is your idol. Mm -hmm. That's what you wanted this whole time. And was, was the... Was your child worth it? Right? I pray that she would repent. I pray that everybody like that would repent. Because you hear a lot about that. People, it was really big a big thing where they're like, shout your abortions. And we're not going to go about this too much now. But, I mean, that's one example. Not to mention all the other examples of murder and uh, lawlessness and people getting out on bail when they shouldn't. I mean, you hear about like what what's going on in New York and California where uh, there's just people will, I think there was a dude who uh, pushed some guy in the subway. In the subway, yeah. He pushed him onto the tracks and broke his collarbone. Guy could have died by getting run over by a train or whatever. Guy was just walking by and this other guy was just standing mm-hmm. there and he just looked at him and he just went over. Yeah, well, no, you... You see this guy just like look to see if anybody's coming and he yeah. runs across the platform and pushes this guy onto the tracks and then runs away. That happens evidently more often than we realize. That's right. But the yeah. thing is, is that that guy was out on bail two hours later. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you hear about stuff like that and, and you just go, what is going on in this world that we have people not being held that need to be held or they're getting out easy or whatever You've got a lot of reform going on, reform, quote unquote. Right, yeah, right. I don't like to talk too much. It's okay. No, that's okay. I mean, yeah, and then and then you have you have other instances where there's injustice of people being incarcerated without due process and whatnot, and uh, just the justice system in a lot of ways in our country right now is very broken, uh, or at least it's not being enforced the way it should be. Right. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now that we can sympathize with Habakkuk in saying, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save. Right. But 
Don't you think we need to be careful what we pray for, too? Okay. Um, yeah, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of evil going on right now. And so you praying to God, you know, make it go away or whatever you're praying. Huh, and yeah. So then he comes back and says, okay, uh, we're going to make it go away. Uh, and I don't like the way I'm going right. to make it go away. Possibly, but, you yeah. know, so that's what I said. You know, you need to kind of be careful how you pray and what you pray for. Yeah. But it's all in God's plan. Yeah. Um, so we just have to. So we need to give him more specific instructions on how to take care of it. Well, we've gotten into this before, right? We need to on how to take care We've gotten into this before, right? We need to say, Lord, thy will be done. Right, right, right. Well, we could, what is it? Where is it? Uh, not to not to dredge up too much stuff here, but I mean, if you want to get really specific, uh, you look at some some psalms, right? You know the imprecatory psalms. Uh, where is it? I think I at least from the top of my head, Psalm. Let me make sure I get this right. Um, uh, oh wait, no. Here's a here's a fairly mild. Right. Here's a fairly mild imprecatory psalm. Um, uh, let me see here. Yeah, okay. So like Psalm Psalm 58, right? You, you want to give specific instructions <laughs> or pray <laughs> specifically, right? You say, you know, um, uh, do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No, in your hearts you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ears, so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or the cunning enchanter. O God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. So basically saying, the enemy, when they seek to destroy us, keep them from doing that. You know, uh, keep them from doing that so that when they bite, it's not painful. Or that when they, when they come after us, we will not be destroyed because of it, right? So that's, that's kind of, that's a, a good way to do that. So, um, uh, because he says, the righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. <laughs> well... You get on further where he says you'll he'll he'll bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. Yeah, so you get into that sort of stuff and you go, well, let's just see what God will do in that sort of instance, right? Um, so the Psalms talk about that specifically, calling out for God's justice. And we as Christians know that imprecatory Psalms typically, I mean, they should typically and primarily be prayers of conversion for the enemy, right? That they would repent. They would that. First and foremost, God would stop them and also bring them to repentance and faith, right? But we need to also be comfortable because if we pray that God would stop the wickedness from happening, we not, there's two sides of thy will be done, right? That we pray within God's will, right? We pray according to his word and according to his will, and then whatever his will is, we need to be okay with that. We need to accept it. Yeah. We need to say, I will be done, Lord. It's not the way I would have done it, but right. your ways are not our ways. <laughs> right? And your 
your your mind and wisdom is so much more surpassing than ours, right? That we say, you. He can see the whole picture. Do what you want. <laughs> do what you're gonna do, right? And and we pray that it would be good, and it and and it is, right? So Habakkuk is is being bothered here by saying, you know, there's violence and God's not showing up. So. Um, that next question, though, what does Habakkuk mean when he says that the law is paralyzed in verse 4? He says the law is paralyzed and justice, and justice never goes forth. What does he mean by that? The law is ineffective because of the Lord's failure to act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he thinks that, yeah, from... From the prophet's perspective, right. right? From the way that he sees things, the law has become ineffective because of the Lord's failure to act upon it. Yeah? So it's not, though, right? It's not, but it seems that way. And so that's maybe a reminder to us that things aren't always as they seem. Uh, that things are bad right now, but in some sense, I think... Like it says elsewhere in Scripture, God is storing up for the days of wrath, right? That in Romans it says that he gives, he gives people over to their lusts and passions and says, you want to follow after these false gods? Here's what it brings you, right? He doesn't stop them necessarily all the time, and he simply just says, see what it gets you, right? So there's something to be said there where, um, you know, Habakkuk from one side is saying nothing's happening. If God's law is so great and God is so great, why is nothing <clears throat> happening? Um, because the law is being is par paralyzed, and we can sympathize with that right now, right? The the law is paralyzed whenever you get some sort of activist judge or something like that putting a stop on a law being enacted that was actually a good law, right? That is a just law, and this judge comes in and says, "No, we're we're going to put an injunction on this. We're going to stop that." from taking place or something, right? Um, sometimes that's a good thing, but when it's for a law that is good, you start to go, what is happening, right? How can they do this? So, um, so the law of God also that he's talking about is, you know, that there's consequences. And it seems like there are no consequences being taken out right now. Uh, so... Something to keep in mind. Any other thoughts on that for what he's getting at, that the law is paralyzed? Well, we humans are impatient. Yeah. We're, God is eternal. Right. We're a mess. Yeah. Humans are just a mess. Right. And they're arrogant and they're in charge. That's why uh, the law is paralyzed. God can't help me. I We can figure this out ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Right. We, we don't need God. Yeah. We Isn't there a psalm about that? <laughs> I mean, there's a psalm for everything. But yeah, there's, yeah, it's like where where uh, what is it? The Psalm Proverbs, two, I think. Proverbs right. Two. What's that? Proverbs also. In Proverbs for sure, but in Psalm, what is it? Uh, and I know I'm going to the Psalms. I love the Psalms, though they're great. Um, yeah, it's like Psalm Psalm two. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let's, uh, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. 
He who sits in the heavens laughs. Right? He laughs at them. And the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Right? Uh, and then you see there's mention of the Christ there. Right? I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's like a potter's like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Right? Um, yeah, so yeah, so this is kind of interesting. Um, God is patient, and like Saint Peter says, do not count do not count God's patience or His long suffering right as weakness, because He is patient for the sake of repentance. Right, that all who will repent, all who would repent, will repent and believe. So. Something to keep in mind that God's patience is not just because he is slack, but because he wants all those that will come to faith to come to faith. Right? And it's in the fullness of time that that takes place. Like you said, we're impatient. We want things now, 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 especially today. My goodness, you get everything on your phone in like five seconds or less. You go, oh, when is this going to Like, <laughs> when we vote, it's just like, so, when, so when's my guy getting in? process, right? You've got to be patient with these things, you know, something like that. Um, so, next question there, though. The Lord answers Habakkuk by pointing to a nation that who would put a stop to Judah's wickedness, and why does he say that people would not believe what he was about to say? You see that in verse 5, he says, um, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Why wouldn't they believe him at that point in time? Weren't the Babylonians their enemies? Right, they were their enemies. Um, and I think there's different. There's there's probably different answers you can have for this one. So I just don't think that Judah believed that God would do something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just no. I mean, just like we yeah. are in our situation that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. We're America. We yeah. not right. believe that China could come over here and yeah. North Korea. Why, yeah, why would God allow yeah, why would God us allow to that? fall? And, yeah. and that's what I think is going on here. You know, mm -hmm. they just couldn't fathom that God would do something like that to their gorgeous right. nation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, so Habakkuk is, oh, what is it? Habakkuk is a contemporary of Jeremiah, right? Um, and you see that, yeah, that's right. Okay, here we go. So Jeremiah talks about false prophets, right? Um, uh, where he says, I think, where is this? The lying prophets. What else does he say? So, like, there are there are prophets in Jeremiah's day 
who are saying, you know, that there will be peace, right? Peace, 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 right? And Jeremiah says, don't speak peace where there is no peace, basically, right? So he says, um, so let me see, I'm trying to find the exact one, but it's, it's, it's throughout Jeremiah where he's calling out these false prophets who are saying that everything will be fine, everything is going to be fine because we are God's chosen people. And Jeremiah is saying, don't listen to these people because... That's what our government's telling yeah. us right now. Everything, yeah. We're not in an inflation. Yeah, nothing's so inflation, you know, The gas prices aren't going up that much. They're going down. Yeah, you know, it's okay. We're at peace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's just kind of funny how all this is kind of going going about. Um, Yeah. So, um, it's not funny. You're right. It's not funny because, yeah, it's it's actually pretty scary. Um, But it's one of those things where. It, so, so I think that Habakkuk, when God responds to him and he says, uh, be astounded because I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Yet I'm going to tell you anyways, you know, this is what's coming. At, on some level, this is still within the time where the Babylonians are still under pretty firm control of the Assyrians. Um, and also you see that back in, in second Kings with Jehoiakim, he becomes a servant of, of, of King. He becomes a servant of King, King, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, right? That means he becomes basically a vassal in some sense, right? He's just kind of to avoid the war that's coming, he succumbs and he says, okay, I'll just do what you want. But it doesn't stop anything, right? So there's possible reasons why people wouldn't believe this because it's like, well, the Babylonians aren't really a threat right now. We have to worry about the Assyrians. It's like, but the Babylonians will overcome the Assyrians at one point in time and the Babylonians will be the ones to come in. The Chaldeans will come in and say, we're the ones who are calling the shots now. And so... They won't believe it either because of that, because they just don't see the Babylonians as a threat yet, or they think that they're so blessed and beloved by God that there's no way, there's no way that God would forsake us, right? And he promised not to. Well, they always say that, you know, we're the children of Abraham and Joseph and Isaac and uh-huh. you know, on and on, that we're a chosen generation. God's never going to forsake us no matter what we do. Yeah. No matter what we do. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, is that all throughout the Old Testament, keeping the law, you know, keeping even the ceremonial law that was handed down through uh, through Moses, was never meant to be, it was perverted into this, right? It was never meant to be a means of salvation, but as a response for what, as a response and thanksgiving to what God had already done, Right. And you see, like, you know, the Day of Atonement, where they'd have the uh, sacrifice for sin. And that was only because God promised to do so in those things, right? Um, That 
the the forgiveness of sins was promised and we would say, all right, well, we trust that this is taking place, right? Um, that that uh, God God did a great thing in bringing the people out of out of the land of Egypt into the promised land, and now this is how they show their love to God by keeping His law cheerfully, joyfully. It turns into them thinking that this is what saves them, right? And that's what mankind does, right? You can't help but think sometimes when we do certain things, even as Christians, oh, God loves me because I pray, right? God loves me because I go to church every Sunday, or I even come to Bible study. So God really loves me. No, God loves you because he sent his son to die for you, right? Right? God loves you because, well, he is love. Yeah, and he does all these things to show you his love. And all that he asks is that you give him sacrifice of thanks and praise. You call upon him for every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks, right? That you fear, love, and trust in Him above all things, yeah? As a response for what He's already done. Yeah? So, um, let, let us not get things turned around, yeah? Any questions or further thoughts on that? Um, why they wouldn't believe that it would be the Babylonians? All right, let's move on to that next question. We're actually doing pretty good on time today. Um... How does the Lord describe the Babylonians? Verses like 6 through 11, you see those. So what does he say? They're powerful, they're arrogant, they're ruthless, they're, they're evil. Yeah. Weird and dreaded people, they're lawless. Oh, they're yeah. a great army, they're violent. Those yeah. are my adjectives. They're yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's exactly right. Is that? They're invincible. They're invincible, or they seem invincible, right? They're just like, they're... Their horses are swifter than leopards. From a human perspective, they are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're fierce. They're absolutely fierce. At, at kings, they scoff, and at rulers, they laugh. Right? They laugh at every fortress where they pile up earth and take it. Yeah? We've got a couple of countries that are that way, too, oh, yeah. in this oh, yeah. world. Oh, yeah. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men. Whose, might, whose own might is their God. Let's not forget that part. Um, so, yeah. They seize dwellings not their own. Yeah, they seize what's happening. <laughs> yeah, they and seize what's not theirs, yeah. And their transportation is swifter than whatever, you know. Uh-huh. And they're iron birds that fly like eagles. I mean, if you read this, it's just... Here comes history repeating itself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah very interesting, huh? I am, I'm well, listening. China's not recall. a problem. Oh, no. They're, they're <laughs> they make everything for us. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that something? Um, they can also make other things, too. Um, yeah, they buy land next to our government uh, yeah. military bases. Oh, oh, yeah. They raise monkeys in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> they what? Yeah, they just bought several thousand acres and they're going to raise monkeys in Florida for I wonder what scientific purposes. Oh, that's fun. For what? For, for easier to spread their uh, virus. Oh, yeah. yeah, just turn them loose. It'll spread like wildfire. Think how many people were killed in this virus spread and not a fire, not a shot fire. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you see... Yeah, I'm sorry. Never that's mind. okay. No, I mean, it helps to see these things. I mean, yeah, there are there are threats. Our problem is we live in a small time frame. 
and God lives in a big one. Yeah. And so time is nothing to, he doesn't live in time. Right. So then when we're expecting all this to happen in our lifetime, look at Abraham. I mean, oh yeah, it was, uh, you're, you know, well, no, you you bring up you bring, it's frustrating. You bring up you bring up a good point because um, uh, what we need to focus on is that, like Abraham, you know, you see, like in Hebrews, the only, the reason, and 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 really in Romans too, right? That Abraham believed the promise, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. That in our time, we're not going to see how all things play out unless Christ comes back within our lifetime, right? We won't see how all this plays out. Eventually we will see because, well, it's frustrating right now because we hold on to the promises of God. We are like, uh, first, like first John says, and we'll hear, hear that in the upcoming um, Sunday for all saints is that we will be like him. You know, we will know eternity because he will show it to us. He will share it with us, right, in Christ. So it's frustrating now, but eventually we will say, well, yeah, that makes total sense. Because <laughs> we'll have it revealed to us and we'll say, wow, you know, I believed you knew what you were doing, but now I really see you knew what you were doing, God, right? Um but it's frustrating because we, we, we want things to happen in our lifetime. Or we want things to stop happening in our lifetime. And so we have to be like Abraham and hold on to the promise, right? And the promise is that Christ will come back and wipe away every tear from every eye, right? And also, so that we can also look forward to uh, Judgment Day in a good way, that all those who did forsake God and who never repented, they will be brought to justice, and also, we will be judged, but rightly, right? We who are in Christ will be seen as Christ himself because we trust in him, yeah? So, uh, judgment day for Christians will be a day of a good judgment, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, anybody who has problems at work or, you know, with authorities or whatever, it might help you to remember what uh, St. Paul says, I think in Philippians, right? That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It may not happen when you want it to happen. It will happen. You know, whether they want to do it or not, it will happen. We just have to be patient and trust in the Lord. Like it says in Psalm 46, right? Be still and know that I am God. I was just thinking about yeah. that. Yeah, be still and know be that I am still God. Know God. Yeah, yeah, and and in and Psalm like worrying about stuff. Yeah, yeah. in Psalm twenty-seven, says, right? Don't worry, I've got it under control. That's right. The yeah, human Keep nature, praying. human nature slips in there. And, oh, yeah. You know, we want to we want to be in control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sean Hannity says that all the time, but I don't think he believes it. What it says what? Be still, my heart, and know that I am God. Yeah, he also he also says, you know, um, what is I haven't listened to him in a long time, but I remember it's like, you know, uh, let not your hearts be troubled, and oh, yeah. neither let them be afraid. And I was just like, yeah. okay, yeah, I know what I know what that really means. I don't know if yeah, Sean Hannity's an interesting guy. I get kind of tired of him though. He just well, keeps he's on Catholic going. Catholic, but... well, he's yeah, he's he's a Roman Catholic, and and um, you gotta love him. 
Yeah. Uh, but I it's just him anymore, though. Yeah. He was? What's that? I said, I think I heard that he went to school and was going to become a priest. That's right. He thought about it. Yeah. And then. And now he thinks he's Martin Luther. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But anyway, so enough about Hannity. Um, so we've heard about what the Babylonians are like. So I'll. That, that fifth question, although the Babylonians would serve the Lord by suppressing Judah, they were not righteous people. How does the Lord describe them in verse 11? We just kind of covered that. Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's go. Their God is their strength. Right. Mm -hmm. Their God is their strength. They're putting all their faith in themselves. Military strength are their God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have power and confidence. Right. They... Trust in their own strength. That is their God. They do not see that the Lord, right, Yahweh, is really the source of their strength. He is rallying them and building them up to do what he wants them to do. And then we'll see they're going to get stricken down too. Very quickly. Very quickly. Not quick enough. Well, not quick enough for them. <laughs> quick enough for God, mm -hmm. right? Quick enough for God. So that's that's probably the key or a key thing to keep in mind, right? So verses twelve through seventeen contain Habakkuk's second complaint. Can y'all summarize that for us? What is what is what is he complaining about? What's he getting on about? The wicked will swallow up the righteous. Yeah. Um, yeah, and how can that be if God is good and gracious and eternal and powerful? Why would he let the good be swallowed up by the wicked? Is that a valid complaint? Let's just let's just address that first. Is that a valid complaint? Yeah. Well, on some level, I think I think it's fair, right? Yeah, it's fair because God shows himself to be like I said, if we can't complain to God uh, so that we might be corrected and shown the truth, then we then we won't engage in any sort of discourse or, or conversation with God about anything, right? Uh, because we'll be too afraid to ask and we'll be too afraid to be corrected. But it's okay to be corrected on these things, right? Because on some level, Habakkuk is, Habakkuk is saying true attributes of God, right? He's just confused as to, as to what they really mean. Right? He's saying that God is good and gracious. He is eternal. He is powerful. And if that's the case, shouldn't you expect it to play out in this way? And God says, no. Because you don't really know what it means to be gracious. You don't really know what it means to be powerful in the sense that God is. You don't really know what it means to be eternal as he is, right? So it's, it's okay it's okay to see God as he says that he is and be corrected as to what that really means, right? But isn't it futile just to have that thought because if you believe that God's in control of everything and he knows everything about you and what you're going to say before you even say it, then why say it? I mean, it's like praying. I find it difficult to pray because he already knows what's in my mind and what I am. Yeah. I guess I'm just voicing it for myself so I can hear it. And then 
think about what his response is. It's yeah. It's funny because you say that it's futile, but that's exactly what Satan wants us to think, though. Mm-hmm. Right? He, 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 he wants us to believe that it's futile, that there's no point um, in... Uh, yeah, this thing is... Same going over time. Well, not futile in the Anyways. point that you know that God's in control and he's going to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to take care of all this. He's coming... I look at all this stuff that's going on and says, well, bring it on. We're just getting closer. I mean, <laughs> that's a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a prayer. Yeah. Come quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Right. So, um, yeah. So when you say futile, because God already knows. Yeah. But in the same sense, what happened when Moses, let's just look at an example of prayer that actually really, really did something. When the people of Israel... While Moses was up on Mount Sinai, God bless you. Um, When Moses was on Mount Sinai, receiving the tablets of the law, the people were doing what? Making graven images. Graven images, acting horribly, right? I mean, remember the scene from the Ten Commandments, right? You know, uh, Cecil B. DeMille did a pretty good job, I think, of just compacting that all into one scene where you're just going, what is going on? Right. Um, although Moses didn't just throw the tablets at at the idol, they like they combined a bunch of different scenes into one. Um, regardless of that, the thing is that uh, when they rebelled, what did God say about them? Well, what was God going to do to them because they rebelled? Kill. He was going to replace them. Mm-hmm. He said, "I will just wipe them away." And we're going to start fresh, just you and me. You and me, Moses. We'll start fresh. And what did Moses do? He said, Lord, don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. And start fresh like Noah? Something like How that. How long did that last? Well, but that's the thing, though. How long did Israel last? Yeah. Right? I mean, it, nothing lasts in this world. And I think that's the point, part of the point. But the thing is, is that... With prayer, what I'm getting at with prayer is that Moses was was the intercessor for the people and saying, Lord, please don't do that because if you do that, then that could bring about derision of your name, that the Egyptians will say, look, the Lord just brought the people out of this land so he could just strike them down. And so it's like, maybe he was right, maybe he was wrong, who cares? The thing is, is that God listened to his prayer and... He heard it, and he he gave it the answer that it needed, right? So the thing is, is that we never know what God will do with our prayers. And if we are praying according to his will, you know, his will be done. And if we say to ourselves, well, his will is going to be done regardless if I pray or not pray. That's, that's a determinist kind of... Uh, mindset that everything has already been predetermined. What's the point of doing anything? I think that's from Satan, honestly. It's from Satan that we would be tempted to say, well, what's the point of even doing what God commands us to do? Right? What's the point? Of, because, what is it? Um, Jesus says, with the Lord's Prayer, at least, and with all prayers, right? When you pray, like it's an expectation, when you pray, pray in this way. Right? And that's, that's, that's why we say, um, uh, Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. 
taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray our Father, right? So the thing is, is that with our prayers, we are commanded to pray. We are commanded to seek him out. Uh, uh, but not as some sort of compulsion of thinking that's what saves us, but we know that God hears us. We are his children. And again, if we think of it in a familial sense, how often does dad know exactly what the kid wants to ask for? Right. Right? How often does dad know that the kids, that his son or his daughter is going to come up and say, Dad, what I really want is... Yet, does he not delight in hearing his child ask? Right? But when you ask, you also praise him and tell him you love him. Yeah. And uh, he likes to hear from us. Yeah. Yeah. He likes to hear our voice. Right. Yeah. And again, think about it in that familial sense. And, and what's so our wonderful is when you do pray for something and it happens, mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It is pretty awesome. I mean, you, you think back and yeah. you go, oh my Someone oh, yeah. gets well that you've been yeah. praying and praying for. Yeah. Right. But if but if that somebody, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a interesting thing, though. Yeah, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, because yeah. then you could say, well, I didn't pray, but they got well anyways, so what does it matter? <laughs> but that's the point. Satan can use that to try and deceive you into thinking, well, prayer's not all that important. They just, they're going to get better, or they're going to get worse, regardless of what I do, and that's not the case at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, that God does want to hear our prayers for these things. There, yeah. there was other people praying. Yeah. You're not yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there are other people praying, so yeah. And it's also not an excuse to say, well, other people are praying, what am I going to pray for? Um, Yeah, so there's all sorts of reasons why we might say, what's the point? God already knows. But the thing is, is that when that's a very abstract way of thinking, a very concrete way of thinking is to, again, take it into that familial realm. God is our Father. He wants to hear from His children. He loves to hear us ask for what we want and what we need. And that's what right. builds that relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The more and the more that you dwell in, in his word, the more you know what to pray for. Right. The more you know exactly what he likes or what he says that we should pray for, you're gonna pray for those things, right? Pray for the salvation of other people who don't know Christ. Pray for mm-hmm. pray for people to get well and be healed from whatever has has come upon them, right? So, yeah, you you pray for these things because it is in the will of God that you should do so. Yeah. And, Could, yeah. Huh? And? And? Don't you think it's the work of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Because he's the Absolutely. one that gives us the words to say, even the prophets, you know, all the words, and he gives us the words to say so we can be enlightened by God's word. Right. Well, we are enlightened by God's word and given the words to say because he's given us his word, right? And that's that's something I went through this this last Sunday. We had ugh, my first ever like adult instruction for people who are going to join. Um, most of the new members we've had are transfers, right? But these, these, these folks have either been away from church for a while or they're new to the Lutheran church. And um, so I got the chance and we're going through this one book and he's talking about the word, right? that the Bible is the Spirit's book, right? All Scripture is breathed out by God. It is inspired, inspirited, as it were, by God. So when you want to know what to pray for, why don't you go read your Psalms? This is a good, a really good place to start. Or how about this? To start very, 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 very basically. You want to know how to pray? 
Go see what Jesus says about that. He gives us our Father who art in heaven, right? So he gives us the Lord's Prayer. So it's like the Word gives us what we should be asking for, and we can even ask for it in our own words, but that's all part of confession of faith, right? We speak back what God speaks to us. That's like, and, and I knew this in an abstract way before I became a father, right? But to say to my daughter, I love you, and she says, she says, I love you back. I mean, that right there is the nature of confession of faith and praying according to God's will. Right? God says, I will give you all these things. I promise you all these things, salvation, life everlasting, you know, uh, peace in the midst of sorrow, joy in the midst of trouble. I promise you all these things. And you say, Lord, you promised me peace and joy in the midst of trouble and sorrow. And you told me that you, that, that you care for me, that you won't forsake me. And he goes, that's right. I told you all those things, didn't I? Right? It's like a dad talking to their kid, and you know, like Charlotte, uh, and maybe hopefully Henry someday, right? Um, you tell her, you say, who is Jesus? Jesus is my Savior. And she'll say, he's my Savior. And you say, okay, what did he do? He died on a cross. And what else did he do? He rose from the dead, right? Does Jesus love you? Mm-hmm. He loves me, you know? It's like, she wouldn't have known that unless we told her that sort of thing, or we exercised that with her. And it's the same thing with the Bible and with our faith and prayer. We don't know what to pray for unless God tells us what we should pray for. And we can, and depending, and there's a lot of things we can pray for, so it gives us a lot of things, right? Um, that's funny, I never thought that Habakkuk would turn into a thing about prayer, but it's true. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Habakkuk is doing, right? He's praying, right. Mm-hmm. absolutely. So, um, but the Babylonians, back to the Babylonians here, they are not righteous. They are guilty before God's eyes, thinking that their God is their strength, right? Um, Verses, and then the last question here before we get to apply, verses 12 through 17 contain Habakkuk's second complaint. So summarize, oh, wait, wait, we already did that, right? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. They were cruel. They didn't worship God. They went from nation to nation, swallowing up people, right? Why would God allow such a thing? Yeah. Uh, and and as, as Habakkuk says in verse 13, they swallowed up people more righteous than they. Yeah. Um, so now we are, you know what? We're getting to the apply section now. Okay. So the apply section. So it seems that the Lord lets, um, it seems that the Lord lets evil, Um, and injustice run wild at times. What must we remember when we charge the Lord with indifference or not being active? What should we remember? I think people get in the way. People get in the way? (laughs) Yeah. They try to uh, instill their will, not his. You try to help God. Yeah, let me help you. Yeah, yeah God, let me help you along with what I think you should do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so keep in mind that you don't do that. You shouldn't. You should. You, sh- you should resist that temptation. Probably. Um, I mean, definitely do God's will. And that's and that's probably where you should think about this. I I I, I heard recently. 
uh, from a, a Lutheran pastor. It's really funny that he mentioned John Wesley. You know, uh, John Wesley is the one who started the the uh, well. He was an Anglican priest, and then he started the Methodists movement, kind of thing, right? But um, maybe maybe this would help us a little bit. Uh, that there's this pyramid of authority. Okay, have y'all heard of this before? Yeah. So. Okay, so if, so if you have if you have a pyramid, right? There's um, I think it's like uh, I think it's this one, and then uh, yeah. So there's like four different levels of this pyramid. The most foundational one. What would you think the most foundational one would be, as far as the pyramid of authority? So. Right? Pyramid of authority. What do you think is the most basic one? The biggest thing you should consider? What's authoritative? God's word. Yeah, scripture. So yeah, I'm just going to say, but yeah, we know what you mean by saying scripture, God's word, the word of God, right? So scripture is the ultimate authority. What did he say? Or what did John Wesley say was next on the level of authority? Good works. No. Close. <laughs> no, that's fine. He said tradition, right? So it's like, you know, you say something along the lines of, you know, uh, should women be pastors? Well, the Bible says no, so we'll stop there. But if you want to just go for the exercise, tradition. Have we ever had women pastors up until? No, we haven't. So that scraps it all, right? Or you say something along the lines of, you know, um, uh, what is it? Um, I don't know. It's basically like, you know, you start you start with scripture, um, tradition, and then the next one I think is like reason, right? So if it's unreasonable, if, if scripture is quiet about it, tradition, we don't really have a tradition about it saying yes or no. So is it reasonable to do so? You know, yes or no. And then and then the most, the, the, the level with the least authority is our experience, right? But how often do we invert the triangle, right? You see what I'm saying? How often do we take the experience that we have and say, well, that's the authority. Right? That's what's really going on here, yeah? Our experience right now is like Habakkuk in that it seemed like, by my experience, to me, it looks like Bad things are going to be happening, and God doesn't really care about us, and that, da, 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 right? So let's just start with that. Does God care about us? Has he left us? Yes or no. Okay. There might be some judgment going on right now, yeah? We won't see the fullness of what that means right now, but it's like, when, but, but has he forsaken those who are in Christ, at least? As Christians, we would say, no, Scripture says so. Right? Stop there. <laughs> you know? But how often do we flip it and say, well, my experience tells me this. And therefore, I'm going to trust that. You know? So I, I, bring, I bring that up as a bit of a way of saying, you know, we should stop ourselves. Uh, we should stop ourselves from, some, from um, thinking that the Lord doesn't care. Right? So you ask yourself, does the Lord care about me? Yeah. Scripture says so, and he shows it in so many, 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 and many and 
and various ways, right? Um, so I, I brought I brought that up just kind of a fun little way of you know it doesn't maybe like have a full application for what we're talking about, but just to say that experience should not be the first and foremost the biggest asset that we go to for determining what's really happening. Yeah. Any questions on that? You know, it's funny you bring that up because there's a management model. Oh, yeah. just like that. Management model? Mm -hmm. What do they do? Is it similar to that? Well, your boss, your peers, and I forget what the third one is. The last one is your experience. Right. And most of the people, like you say, jump to the top and rely on their experience rather than what the boss told them to do. Right. Interesting. And yeah. experience, is that like history? No, that would be more traditional. Um, because like we would say, let's just say this. One, this is just off the top, off the top of my head, it's like we, we as Lutherans, we say the creed in church, right? Let's talk about whether or not we should say the creed in church. Is the creed in scripture? The scriptures say well, you must say the Nicene Creed whenever you gather for Holy Communion. No, so scripture doesn't say anything about it. Does tradition? Yeah. Yes. It's a good tradition to speak in a in a concise confession of basically what all of scripture says. It's summarized in the creed, right? All all, all that you need to know about who God is and what he has done, right? So it stops there, right? So scripture doesn't say anything about about um, about it, but tradition does. Now, if you find an instance where none of, where none of these things have anything to say about it, then you go to reason. Is it reasonable to do so? Let's just say, you know, we're tired of having bare floors in the sanctuary. We want carpet now, <laughs> right? So you say, well, scripture definitely doesn't have anything anything to say about that. Tradition kind of says, well, I mean, if you want it, whatever. It doesn't really, you know, it depends, right? So you're like, okay, well, none of those really have a definitive answer. Is it reasonable to put carpet in the sanctuary, right? Maybe we can discuss that, right? But it's it's less firm than tradition and scripture, so you really have to discern these things. And then if that's not good enough, then you go, well, in my experience, the acoustics are much better when you don't have carpet, or well, but people have a experience of maybe slipping and falling where there's not carpet or whatever, right? You talk about those things, and that's worthwhile. But you find out that those are the things that can be gone up the chain, whereas the really, 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 really big stuff stops down here at Scripture, right? It's the most fundamental stuff, yeah. And that's what Habakkuk is getting at, that it's fundamentally true that God loves you, that God will not forsake you, that God, in his wisdom, knows what he's doing, right? Um, that's like the question, it's like, does God really know what he's doing? Yeah, stop. Stop there. Scripture says so. It's just trust. Trust him and what he says. Yeah. Um, so we will someday see the full wisdom of it. We don't see it right now. So until then, we are like Abraham, trusting in his promises and having it be accounted to us as righteousness because we have faith in what God is doing. Yeah. Any questions and closing thoughts on, on, on Habakkuk 1? On the first chapter of Habakkuk.
the thing, one of the things that kept coming out when I was reading Habakkuk is that the Jews, if you ever talk to them, all they ever want is peace, and they're willing to sacrifice other things for peace. Yeah. And it, I mean, even today, uh-huh. you know, when you listen to what's going on in Israel and what have you, all they want is peace, and they're willing to they're willing to compromise mm-hmm. their values and everything else yeah. for peace. Mm-hmm. And what does it get them? Gets them in trouble. Right. Uh, it winds up in not having peace, you know, ultimately. Yeah. Right. They never get peace. They're no. always dissatisfied. Right. Well, yeah. Or yeah, because, well, on some level, maybe compromise can be a good thing on some things, but when it comes to stuff like this, or things that really matter, you don't, you don't, you don't compromise with truth or with you know purity or. How many whatever. times have yeah. the Jews or the Israelites in the Old Testament compromised what God told them to do for peace, and what did they get? Total destruction. Right. right. Time and time and time again. Right. Or that they were so deceived in their own thinking that they thought they had peace, but yeah. really. Instead of trusting in God. <clears throat> right. And and there's the the Hebrew word shalom. the Hebrew word sh- shalom, right? But it's funny because that's throughout the Old Testament, you know, peace, peace, peace. But where where do you see it in its fullest manifestation in the entirety of the Bible? In John. Well, I was, was going to say, in the cross, yeah. But, right. but the cross and the resurrection of Christ, when Jesus appears to his, his disciples and says what? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he shows them his hands and his side. He says, this is where your peace is found. Yeah. Not in all this other stuff, not in compromising, but in Christ. Yeah. The Word made flesh. Yeah. And that's why, as Christians, we can have peace no matter what's affecting us physically. Right. Because and you look beyond what that is to what the ultimate is. That's right. Peace in Christ. And that's why yeah. the Marxist and communist, that's the first thing they want to do is destroy religion. Well, yeah, because the peace is not found in material. Around, they can never achieve their goals. Right. Material is, and the communists and socialists are obsessed with material. Right. Uh, by that I mean like capital production, whatever. Because if you control that, you can control what people think and how they act and all stuff like that. But the immaterial, they can't control that. And if you have something that's beyond the material, it's outside of their grasp. And anybody like them who would seek to control those things for wicked ends. Anyways, um, so if you can't tell, I don't like communism. Um, Or socialism. Um, it's, yeah, it's theft. Anyways, um, so we will continue on next time, uh, with Habakkuk chapter two. Um, and so read ahead for that. Read it several times over if you need to. It's pretty short. Come, uh, with the questions filled out or at least, you know, have, have something to discuss for next time when we go through, uh, chapter two of Habakkuk. Um, before we close, though, does anybody have any thoughts about what we've talked about? Questions? Trust any Bible says that Habakkuk, the name is probably Babylonian, refers to a kind of garden plant. Really? <laughs> That's what it says. 
Well, they were thinking about hibiscus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, I think like Luther says and like, like the Hebrew would say, uh, Habakkuk is kind of a funny name and you never see it anywhere else except for here. But it means, in Hebrew at least, it might mean something else about, because, you know, these Near East languages ha- were in close relation to each other on some level. Um, that's why my friend who uh, went to West Point and studied uh, studied Arabic picked up Hebrew so well, right? Because they're not one-to-one, but they're very close. Yeah. Uh, but Habakkuk probably meant something in Babylonian or um, Chaldean, right? Uh but Habakkuk in Hebrew means one who clings. Maybe it's, you know, if it's a garden plant that clings, I guess that makes sense, you know. Um, a clinging vine, yeah, maybe, something like that. That's kind of interesting. But yeah, Habakkuk is one who clings. Uh, and so he clings to God and encourages us to cling to God as well, for sure. Uh, for he is... Somewhere where they make comforter, and he was there to comfort I think I think Luther says something about yeah, about how he he uh, he clings to uh, is it yeah Habakkuk certainly mean uh, certainly has a name appropriate to his office for Habakkuk means um, one who embraces someone else and takes him in his arms this is what he does in his prophecy he embraces his people and takes them in his arms that he comforts them and supports them as one embraces a a a crying child or person to quiet and compose him with the assurance that things will go better if God so will. Yeah. So, I like. Luther has some really interesting ways of things, of seeing things, for sure. Alrighty. Well, this wasn't as short as I thought it was going to be. That's okay. Talk about some good stuff. Um, not that being short is the end-all be-all. Um, no, but we're trying to drag it out. Yeah. <laughs> Milk it for all it's worth, That's right? I mean, God's God's word is, uh, I mean, you just ne- can never get to the bottom of it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Just be sure and go well for Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And pray that the Republicans do God's word. Well, they will. That's exactly. not good. Yeah. Sure. We'll it's early enough. And, uh... Pray that whoever is in authority would do God's will, and if they don't, they would be thwarted. Let's just say it that way. Speak very general in that way. All right, let's uh, then close with the Lord's Prayer. So, taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.